0: Hello and welcome to the Feel It to Heal It podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Kelly, and I am a clinically trained therapist, emotional wellness and life coach, and healer. My mission is to help as many humans as possible feel safe to feel their feelings in order to create a life beyond their wildest dreams. Thank you for being here and let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Morning Tea Live cheers happy wednesday i hope everyone is doing so well this morning there's been a lot of crazy fucking energy going on astro- astrologically and i'm feeling it i'm feeling everyone's energy <laughs> my own my clients just like collectively so if you are feeling a little bit more irritable or tired or just heavy and you're like i don't quite understand why Just know you are not going insane. You are perfectly normal and you make sense. So as always, let's take a deep breath to get grounded into this present moment. So maybe putting a hand on your heart space, closing off the eyes. Let's start to take a big, deep breath in. And release. And again. and release and one more and release and when you're ready you can start to slowly come back and just taking any organic movement that you need (sighs) so i want to share something a little personal as i tend to do i Came onto the computer to start this live, and I was pretty much on time. I was maybe like five minutes late. You know, I I struggle with being on time for my own lives. And I looked at myself, and I was like, no, this is not feeling good right now. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to spend five minutes and be an extra five minutes late to go to the bathroom, put on some makeup, make myself feel good, and then show up in a different energy. Now, the reason I'm sharing this is because for those of you who have been following me for a while, who know my work, who know me as a person, I show up no matter what. I show up when I'm in my pajamas. I literally ran a men's group in my pajama Disney shirt one day. Like, I am so passionate about going against what, you know, society calls as professional and feel so. Strongly, that it's important we feel safe to show up as our authentic selves and show all parts of ourselves so that we don't perpetuate this idea on this platform that we have to show up in this curated, perfected, picture perfect way because that's not real and it causes a lot of harm. And so, normally, I would show up feeling crappy like, no, I would even if I didn't really like the way that I looked or I have a pimple or my hair is greasy or whatever. Like yesterday I showed up for sessions. My hair was looking greasy. I was kind of, it was like really hot in my apartment. I just like, wasn't feeling great, but I was like, you know what? It's okay. Like I'm safe for my clients to see me this way. And so it's not like me to get to this, you know, computer and this phone and look at myself and be like, no, I want to go take five minutes. And The reason I'm sharing this is because even though I want all of us to come as we are and to feel safe, to show up authentically, I think it's also really important to honor what we need. And so for me, normally I don't care about how I look, but today I did today. I was not feeling great. Like I've been a little bit more irritable this week, a little bit more tired. I feel like my body's fighting off a little something and I was like, you know what? It's okay. It's okay to honor taking five minutes to, you know, do something that would make me feel in a better energy, emotionally, physically, and that's okay. So it never has to be one or the other. It never has to be like, oh, I'm going to show up with no makeup and messy hair and pajamas all day, every day, or I have to show up looking all dolled up with makeup and nails and hair. Like, it's meeting ourselves where we're at in every given moment and doing what feels good for us, not what we think we should be doing for society or anyone else. I'm gonna be putting on some lipstick as I talk about this. Um, it's not about like, you know, oh, I need to show it this way for society or for anyone. It's how do I feel? And some days I genuinely feel my best showing up with no makeup, with you know, messy hair with kind of like just more cozy vibes. And then other days, I'm like, you know what, I could use a little pep in my step, I could use a little red lip, you know, and we have to honor that and not make it mean anything. So this is a beautiful thing about being in tune with ourselves being in tune with what we're needing, what we're desiring, and having it always come from a place of meeting ourselves uh, honoring ourselves not doing it for other people i will never wear makeup for other people i will never wear you know a messy bun for other people i will do what i need to do for myself in that moment because we are the only response we are the only person we are responsible for so i just wanted to share that because i think people don't talk enough about this like we come on this platform and It's like, we don't talk about feeling safe to be seen. We don't talk about like just doing what feels good for you and how showing up every day on a public platform can feel vulnerable. It can feel like, yeah, like you're putting yourself in a place to be judged and criticized. And then we alter ourselves because of that. And so there's a huge difference energetically when you're doing something because you're, you're fearing judgment. Like if I were like, oh my God, I look like shit and I have pimples and like people are going to judge me. That's a very different energy than, oh, I'm not enjoying looking at myself right now. So, and I'm not feeling good. So I'm going to go do something that allows me to show up in a different energy so that I can serve in a better, more effective way. The difference is the first you're doing it for other people, and if you're doing anything for other people, you're never going to be happy because everyone's going to be disappointed, and you can't make everyone happy. So at least someone's going to be disappointed. I shouldn't say everyone; someone is going to be disappointed. But when you do things for yourself, that's that's a much more bearable job, and it's an integrity with how you want to be related. Right? You don't want to leak energy and time worrying about what other people are thinking or judging, like judgment has never been a big one for me, but what has been a big one for me is feeling misunderstood, which can tie into judgment, right? Because if someone's not understanding me, maybe it's because they're judging me, right? It could tie into that, but judgment is a protector in terms of me judging others or feeling judged by others. Has not been a big one, but I want to talk today about feeling safe to be misunderstood because that has been a huge one for me, as well as my clients, as well as many other people in the world. So what does it mean to be misunderstood? I want to relate this back to where this all stems from, which is childhood, which is the place that we try and bypass and we can't bypass it because there's that younger part of us that's living inside of us. And then we grow up and we just don't think to go back to the place where it all started. And then we spin in circles being like, well, why am I this way? Or why do I think this way? Or what's happening? It's like, go back to where it started and you will find all the answers. So going back to childhood, what would happen if you were misunderstood? So for example, a baby, an infant cannot speak yet. So they cry or they make facial expressions to indicate to their caregivers how they're feeling or what they're needing. So let's say infant is screaming because infant wants milk, but mom gives toy. And so baby's like, I feel misunderstood because I'm trying to communicate that I want milk, but she keeps giving me this pacifier. And so if baby does not find ways Of getting their needs met, baby doesn't survive. And as creatures, as humans, we are brilliant at staying alive. We are brilliant at finding a way to get our needs met. So for example, if infant was crying for pacifier, baby gets pacifier, infant stops crying, great, infant got their need met. If infant gets pacifier and throws it out or spits it out and keeps crying, that indicates to caregiver. Oh, I'm going to try different things to see what baby is trying to communicate. So, I'm going to breastfeed, I'm going to give milk, I'm going to um, hold, I'm going to, you know, lower the crib so they can see me, whatever it is, right? Whatever it is, they're going to continue to cry until they get their need met. So, tying present day us to baby us. We now have words as adults. We can communicate, but we all have that infant version of us living inside of us, where we don't feel fully safe to express our needs and desires. Because as a kid, those needs and desires perhaps were not met. Those needs and desires were perhaps not understood. Let's say you said you really wanted, you know, to play soccer, and and mom was like, "No, you have to play basketball." Or let's say you said. I feel really sad. And dad was like, well, don't be a cry baby. I was just talking to a client about this yesterday. Like she had such shame around having a trigger from childhood because when she would cry as a child, the response would be stop being a cry baby, get your shit together, like control yourself. Like get it under control as if crying is out of control. What it is, is that it feels out of control for the parent who's not able to hold and attune to those emotions, but crying in and of itself expressing emotions in and of itself is not out of control. It's actually the parents inability to hold those emotions and attune to those emotions that communicates that it's not safe for that child to feel those emotions. And because of them learning to control their emotions, that is what actually leads to behaviors that are really dangerous and harmful and out of control dysregulation, emotion dysregulation. So, for me, people look at me and they're like, Oh, you were raised by two therapists. You talked about feelings all the time in your family. It's like, Yes, we did. We talked about everything. I learned about a lot of things from a very young age, <laughs> like I was the one giving the sex talk to my friends, and my parents having to sit me down and be like, "Oh no, that's not yours to teach them. Like what we teach you is not yours to teach them." So it was funny because, like to me, this stuff was just so normalized. Like, yeah, we talk about feelings, we talk about sex, we talk about, you know, all the things. <laughs> And I had to learn like, oh, not everyone, not everyone's family works that way or not everyone is raised that way. And that's not my job to, <laughs> to do that. So even though I was raised by two therapists and we talked about feelings all the times, so that doesn't mean that my parents aren't human, right? So my mom had a deep abandonment wound and my dad had his own stuff. Like we're, we're all human. and. I had this wound of feeling invalidated, feeling like my feelings were not heard or my feelings were not like did not make sense. And a big part of this was because when our parents have their own attachment wounding, their own abandonment wounds, and they're trying to get their needs met, they're going to hold on to their way of safety. They're going to hold on to, but this is how mommy and daddy get their needs met. This is how mommy and daddy get And in my case, it was mommy and mommy and daddy because I grew up with my mom and her partner, my stepmom and my dad. And anyway, so when your parents have their ways of getting their needs met in their form of safety and that form of safety leads to you as the child not getting your needs met, it can perpetuate the cycle of trauma, of abandonment wounding, of attachment wounding. So we all have this. This is not a reflection of my specific parents. This is a reflection of every single human being and how our nervous system works and how we attach on to certain things for safety. So for me, because feeling misunderstood as a child felt scary because it, it threatened my survival, it threatened my ability to feel safe and getting my needs met. Now as an adult, I still have that deep abandonment wound that i've been healing now for two years but it still comes up it came up this week and i didn't even know it came up that's how sneaky it is the reason that i was able to finally figure out what was coming up for me was because i noticed all of my addictive behaviors trying to come back so keep in mind our addictive behaviors are the ways in which we know safety so binge watching tv binge eating um grasping on <clears throat> for saving uh binge dating, uh having sex when it's not actually in alignment but it's like our inner child trying to get soothing or comfort sorry i need to put my phone on do not disturb okay okay we're back i had to put my phone on do not disturb because so the notifications were that i even milancas All right. So, um, I knew that this abandonment wound was getting triggered because I felt my addictive behaviors come back. And anytime our addictive behaviors come back, that is indication. Like, I really want to drill this in your brain. Addictive behaviors equals not feeling safe. So if you're, someone who has, re- who has done this work, maybe you're one of my clients listening to this and you've released your addictive behaviors. So for me, I released the need to watch TV, to feel safe. I released the need to eat sugar, to feel safe. I released the need to grasp onto others, to feel safe. And so that was my new safety of not needing those things. Then when those things try and come back, I find myself craving TV. I find myself buying a little bit more chocolate than usual. I find myself feeling a little graspy with men from my past, and I'm putting all this together, (laughs) and I'm like, huh, what's going on here? The addictions have made a guest appearance, an uninvited appearance, and so it's my job to then get, first of all, it's my job to say, no, you're not going to engage in these behaviors, which I'm still working on. And I need to hold myself more to the fire with that of like, really having that discipline of like, nope, you are not going to do that. Nope, you are not going to do that. And these things are so sneaky, right? And so we can use it as a valid excuse of like, well, I didn't even know that my abandonment wound was getting triggered. Well, even if I didn't know that my abandonment wound was getting triggered, I did know that something was happening to make my nervous system crave those old ways of being and relating. So I don't have to know exactly what's triggering it. I just have to get curious enough to be like, huh, this is interesting that these things are coming back. And I know that addictive behaviors equals not feeling safe. So what am I not feeling safe around? And I can explore it and I can get curious around it. And even if I still don't know why I'm not feeling safe, doesn't fucking matter. All I need to know is I'm not feeling safe. So what do I need? to feel safe again. I need to come home to myself. I need to be with the fear. I need to feel the fear in my body. I need to get still. I need to do things that are supportive for my nervous system, not make my nervous system feel more disconnected like TV, binging, and all the addictions. I need to chant. I need to meditate. I need to co-regulate with my mentor. I need to journal. I need to say no to more things and not get dragged into other people's stuff. I am someone that needs a lot of alone time, a lot. Every day I hold people's energy. So I need a lot of alone time. And when I don't honor that and I'm busying myself with other people, that's how I know that my nervous system has gone back into that survival mode place. And it is my job. It is my responsibility to look at that and say, oh, I'm not feeling safe right now. And I'm distracting myself. I'm busying myself. I'm." attaching onto fantasy or like I shared with you guys in the last episode that this whole like theme of apartment searching and figuring out if I'm eventually going to buy or rent and like what I'm going to do with that, like that in and of itself can be an addiction. Literally, it all comes back to how are you relating to things? And I could easily relate to apartment searching from an addictive energy of like, Oh my God, this one looks pretty. And this one, it's like dopamine, dopamine, this one, this one, this one. And so again, when I notice myself getting on that high or getting on that low, it's my job to look at what's actually happening. Why am I not feeling safe? And I need to come home to myself. So tying this into feeling misunderstood as a baby, if we're misunderstood, that feels threatening to our survival. It feels like we may not get our needs met. And that feels utterly terrifying. So now fast forward to an adult, when someone misunderstands me, it can trigger that fear. It can trigger that abandonment wound. It can bring back all the addictive behaviors. And it is my job to show little me and to show my nervous system, I am safe to be misunderstood because let me tell you something. The longer that you try and feel understood by every single person on this world, which actually is physically impossible the more that you will disconnect from yourself you will leak your time and energy and you will get small you will stay small and you will outsource your power we all have personal power we all have power in how we choose to relate to things and as someone who used to try and get everyone to understand my feelings my perspective i would feel so invalidated so easily and then i would attach on to that of like well, you just don't understand or blah, 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 blah. It's not anyone's job to understand my feelings. Literally no one's. It is no one's responsibility to understand our feelings. Now, do we need understanding? Do we need validation? Do we need connection? Do we need to feel like we're not batshit crazy? Absolutely. So your job is to stop wasting time and energy with people who are not willing or open to understanding you or who can't, because again, we can only meet others as far as we've met ourselves. And your job is to come back home to yourself, focus on understanding your own feelings and anchoring to yourself primarily, but only to intentional few people. We only really need a core couple people who can be that safe space for us. So I'm not saying that we don't need anyone to understand us. We do need some understanding. We all need that. We're humans. We are relational-based creatures. We are connection-based creatures. We are attachment-based creatures. But we don't need everyone to understand us. We don't need a lot of people. I am now more alone in my life than I've ever been in my life. And that's okay. We actually don't need a lot of people because before I was attaching on to everyone just for safety, just for this feels safer than being alone. Now I've gotten to a place where I feel internally safe enough to be mostly alone. That doesn't mean I don't have anyone. I have great support. I have a core few people that I turn to when I, when I feel like I need that validation, when I feel like I need that understanding, but The more that we look for other, to other people to validate things that they are not going to be able to validate because they have not gone into the depths of their own being, their own soul, we're going to constantly feel frustrated and we're going to feel fear. And it's going to perpetuate this need for external safety. And it's going to defeat the whole purpose of what I want for each and every one of you, which is to build internal safety. So how do I guide my clients through this? When they get triggered and they project onto other people, let's say they project onto their partner, like I used to do all the damn time. Shout out to all my past partners for dealing with that. I have them get to the root of what's actually happening. So it's not about the thing that you're feeling invalidated about. It's never about the thing that you're arguing about. It's never about that. It's about the underlining emotion. What is the underlining emotion of feeling misunderstood? It's fear. It's the younger part of yourself feeling like if they are not understood, they are going to be abandoned. And I know none of this might feel conscious. This might not even land and be like, huh, but I don't need to be understood to feel not abandoned. Like I know I'm not abandoned. You can consciously know something. But your nervous system and your emotional state might need some time to catch up to that. And that's exactly what happened with me this week was cognitively, I was like, huh, why would this cause abandonment, like wound? Why would that trigger that? And in my head, I was like, no, I feel fine. I feel okay. And then when I noticed my nervous system going into survival mode, I was like, oh, I'm not okay. Okay. <laughs> So there can be that disconnect and that's a huge part of trauma healing is connecting the mind and the body, allowing the body and the nervous system to catch up to what your highest self knows to be true. We cannot intellectualize or rationalize our way out of feeling. That's just not how it works. And the longer we try and do that, the more we suffer. So you identify, okay, there's fear. There's fear of being abandoned. Once you identify that root emotion you can actually communicate how you're feeling. So let's say you're, you're getting triggered by a partner and you're projecting onto them. Like, well, you're doing this and blah, 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 blah. And you're not understanding me. Come back to yourself, take a few deep breaths, notice the fear in your body and communicate. I'm just feeling scared right now. Obviously, if this is a person, you feel safe to communicate that to, right? You have to use your discretion. You can just say, I'm not feeling safe right now. <clears throat> And then you can identify what is the need? What am I needing to feel safe right now? So if you have a trusted, safe person that you can do this with, you can ask, I'm needing validation that, you know, um, that you're not going to abandon me even though this thing happened. Or I'm needing to know that it makes sense that I feel this way. Ultimately, the goal is not to need that. But until we honor what we do need, right, until we honor like, oh, I actually do need some validation right now. And the more that you can just get to the root of the emotion and what you're needing or, you know, I'm needing a hug right now or I'm needing just to take a deep breath right now or for you personally, I'm needing to connect to little me and show her that she's safe. I need to close my eyes and imagine hugging my younger self. I need to close my eyes and imagine like this week, I literally had dreams of hugging all these different people. (laughs) And I was like, oh, little me is needing a hug. And yes, I can imagine giving her that hug. Like I can imagine right now, like, like rubbing her back, patting her back, giving her that hug. But this is how brilliant we are at getting our needs met is that we we will even dream about getting our needs met. Like I literally had dreams of feeling hugs because that's what I was needing this week. And so I can give myself a hug and I can dream about getting hugs. I can go you know, to my friend's house, ask her for a hug. We can get our needs met, but it's oftentimes the shame around even having needs that perpetuates us feeling needy because we don't actually ask for what we need because we feel so much shame around it. But if what were you to like, if you were to look at telling a child, if a child was like, I feel really scared, I need a hug, would you shame them for that? I mean, maybe some people would, but your highest self knows that that's not actually something to feel ashamed about. The only reason you feel shame around it is because you know cognitively that you're an adult. But even as an adult, we still need things, right? We need safety. We need love. We need connection. And that's okay. There's no shame in that. So first step, noticing the fear or slowing down enough to notice what's actually happening. So for me, that looks like, okay, all the addictive behaviors, what's actually happening. Let's talk it through. So first step, noticing. Okay, noticing I'm not okay. Second step, let's talk through what's actually happening whether you have someone to talk that through with, a mentor, I talked to my coach about it. Okay, this is what's happening. Now that I'm aware of that, what do I need? I need to continuously allow myself to feel this fear, to feel the sadness that got triggered, to feel safety, whatever that may look like. And I need to kind of ride out this wave of not feeling safe so that I can get back to safety. We can't force ourselves to feel differently. We first have to accept how we're feeling because acceptance always comes before change. And then we're able to relate differently rather than projecting onto people or blaming the world. Or I called a client out on this last night. She was like blaming the world for everything. i like, oh, I just like I hate everyone. And I'm like, okay, where are you not in your power? Because we can't control the world. We can't control anyone else. But where are you not in your power? And you can feel when you're in your power. When you feel like, yeah, I'm relating differently. I'm feeling my feelings. I'm communicating like an adult, right? Like you can feel when you're in your power. That's why this morning when I showed up and I was looking the way I was looking, I was like, I don't feel like I'm in my power. So I need to go spend five minutes to take care of myself, whatever that may look like. I cried on Boxer with my coach. I put on some makeup while I was crying. I took some deep breaths. I got myself some tea and I was like, screw it. I'm going to be late, but I need to take care of myself because there's not an emergency. Everyone in the morning, take and wait five minutes. It's not an emergency. And yes, I do want to work on being on time and also We can so easily let perfectionism be like, well, I have to show up. I have to show up or they're going to judge me for being late. Take the five minutes that you need to take. Wake up a little earlier. That's what I need to do. I need to wake up a little earlier to have that time for myself because it makes a difference. All right. We have a question. So let me answer the question. Okay. What would you recommend to do to someone who is just starting to heal their inner child and has no idea what that even really means? Yeah. So you have to meet yourself where you're at. So for example, when I start with a new client and they have no idea what inner child healing is or how to even connect to their inner child, I even had a session yesterday where I was guiding someone to their inner child. And I was like, how was that? What came up for you? And she was like, I couldn't, I couldn't connect to her. And I said, okay, that's totally fine. Like, some people can easily connect, other people, it feels very abstract. It feels very foreign. Totally get it. I totally get it. So we you meet yourself where you're at. So you start with just beginning to notice what are the thoughts or the behaviors or the actions that start to resemble how you felt, like how familiar is that feeling? So me projecting, that's an old one. I, I've done that my whole life. I didn't know I was doing it, but it the reason why I now know that I do that is because I've taken time to get curious around my behavior. So you just want to start like kind of taking an inventory of your actions, your behaviors or feelings like, oh, when I just, you know, punched the wall or when I hit myself or when I, um. When I screamed in public, (laughs) I can observe that maybe that was my inner child. How would my adult highest self relate? And it's tricky because sometimes to get to our adult highest self, we have to allow our inner child to come out. So I had a client tell me that she just like went off on someone and she's never done that before. And on one hand, I'm like, yeah. We need to feel safe to express anger. Most of us have not been conditioned to feel safe to express anger and then it comes out in really sneaky ways. But would that be how your high self relates like screaming at someone? Probably not, but also maybe in the moment, yes. It really depends. So the first step is really just starting to observe what parts of how you're relating are coming from that younger self or coming from fear or coming from, Yeah, are coming from just like this familiarity right because when you start relating differently it will not feel familiar it will feel very foreign and very scary so if you do something the same way over and over again you know that's probably your inner child if you start relating differently where you're like oh I'm going to take three deep breaths instead of yelling or I'm going to actually communicate my needs rather than repress them and have shame around them that's relating differently. So anytime it feels foreign or new, you're like, Oh, what did I just do? That's your adult self. Other ways of starting to connect with your inner child. So what I assigned my client to do was to gather some pictures of little you and look at this picture. Like I have my picture and just see what feelings come up as you look at this picture. So I can look at little me and be like, she's very cute. She had her finger in her mouth because I sucked my thumb until I was 13. And my parents could not get rid of my binky. Like I had my pacifier until I was like five. So to me, I look at that. I'm like, okay, she needed a lot of self-soothing. You know, she'd been through a lot at this age. Like it, you're just starting to reconnect to any memories that surface because our bodies will repress and shut out so many memories because it feels painful, right? It doesn't feel safe. So look at a picture, start to notice how it feels in your body. Maybe write your inner self a letter or your inner child a letter of like, what would you have needed to hear back then? So when you're feeling scared, what would a child need when they're feeling scared? They need a validation. They need a hug. They need holding. They need a safe, calm, grounded nervous system presence. They need anything to help them feel safe. Maybe a few deep breaths together. So anytime you're feeling fear come up in the present, I want you to start relating to that emotion as if you were helping a child through that emotion, because that is your inner child, not the part about feeling scared. Like we all feel scared as adults. We all feel pain. We all feel sadness. We all feel shame. We all feel joy. We all feel anger, but the part around how you are relating to those emotions we have to build safety around feeling those emotions so this is how we build safety as we start to really treat ourselves the way we would a child with holding with compassion with gentleness with curiosity and noticing like what you're needing in that moment and a great way to start to get to know your inner child is seeing how you relate in romantic relationships are you projecting are you Are you invalidating because you don't feel heard? Like really just starting to get curious and looking at yourself. And I also have two amazing inner child meditations to start connecting with your inner child. I know the topic is not inner child, but everything relates to your inner child, literally everything. So I have one inner child meditation that's in my meditation series that you can purchase at seven meditations And then I also have an inner child meditation that I give to all my clients and that I have in all my programs. And yeah, I could probably make that available to just purchase separately individually because it's a good one. I have clients that do that one every day. So it's really helpful. So start with where you're at. If you're brand new to inner child work, like really just start to notice what parts are inner child, What and let me give you a hint. 99.9% of the way you're relating is probably from your inner child until you start doing inner child healing. So just assume that it's coming from your inner child. That's a safe assumption. And then, okay, this is coming from little me. What does little me need? What would they have needed back then? And how can I start asking for that from myself, from my adult self, imagining your adult self, giving that to little you, or how can I ask that from a support person, a partner, a mentor, a You know, like there's that quote, we're all walking each other home. And even though it's vulnerable and shameful to like ask your partner to basically reparent you, unless you actually get honest about what you're needing, you're going to relate to them unconsciously from a child parent relationship anyway, and shit's going to get weird. So rather than getting it extra weird, let's just call it what it is. We're all reparenting each other. Right. And I know that can sound weird to like be having sex with someone that you're also relating to from a childlike place. It's a little weird, but listen, this is the healing. <laughs> healing is unsexy, healing is uncomfortable, healing is painful. And use that as motivation to step more and more into your adult self. Because like I always say, no one wants to date an activated two-year-old. But we first have to acknowledge, oh, I'm acting like an activated two-year-old and feel the shame around that to to then be able to lean into compassion and gentleness and motivation use that shame as motivation not to make it mean anything about you not to go hide and crawl in a hole because the shame is so powerful but to i use shame as motivation if i feel shame around something i'm like fuck i want to heal this so i don't have to feel shame anymore around it it's not that i want you to avoid shame we can't avoid shame i mean we can but then we suffer we don't want to avoid shame We want to feel shame because it's historical and just like pain or sadness or anger that's historical, we need to hold space for that because oftentimes the shame is not even ours. It's the adults in our lives that shamed us for being a certain way. So feel that shame, but don't make it mean anything about you. And then maybe use it as motivation to keep feeling what needs to be healed and keep shifting. So... Tying it back to the topic, as we start to wrap up, you are safe to be misunderstood. There is no way in hell everyone can understand you. And the more that you build internal safety and trust within yourself and understand little you and understand your own feelings, because it's little you that's needing to feel understood by everyone. It's adult you, powerful you that understands that not everyone can understand you and you need to understand you. And you need to be with the fear that comes up when you're not feeling misunderstood and stop leaking your energy, trying to get everyone to understand you. It's fucking exhausting. I lived that way my entire life. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, but it starts with you actually tending to the root of that, which is the fear, which is little you needing attunement. So are there any questions before we start to wrap up? I'm not taking requests to be in this live video, so please stop sending requests, thank you. Are there any actual questions before we wrap up? No questions, no thoughts, no feelings, no comments. No? Okay. All right, guys, I love you so much. You are safe to be misunderstood. That is your mantra. I am safe to be misunderstood. I am safe to be misunderstood. I'm safe to be misunderstood. Don't use that as an excuse to shy away from looking at what's happening, right? Like if someone calls you out on something and you're like, well, they just don't understand me. I'm safe to be misunderstood. And you're running away from your triggers. That's not the vibe here. The vibe is looking at yourself, getting radically honest with yourself, And then looking at, okay, where am I not coming home to my truth and what I feel to be true while still looking at myself, while still getting honest with myself, because we, this is very sneaky. We can use it as a way of like, well, this is just how I feel. And so, yeah, I'm just going to be misunderstood. No, it's not the vibe. The vibe is Let's look at all that's coming up for you. Let's get radically honest about your own behavior, your own emotions, your own triggers. Our triggers are always ours, always, always. They are our responsibility. And then when we look at that stuff and we say, okay, this is feeling in alignment, this is feeling authentic, this is feeling true. When you get to that clarity, then land in, I'm safe to be misunderstood. Or let's say you want to start a business or a podcast and you do the thing and people are going to shit talk you. Your family may not understand. Your friends are might, might get a little judgy. I am safe to be misunderstood. Those are the moments that I want you to use this mantra. You actually stepping into your power, stepping into your expansion. I'm safe to be misunderstood. Do you know how many times I've been misunderstood with things that I've said I might have someone listen to this episode and not understand me. I am safe to be misunderstood because people can only understand and meet you as far as they met themselves. So it's just a reflection of where they're at and you can meet them there. You don't have to mean, you don't have to make it mean anything about you and you come home to yourself and rinse and repeat over and over and over. It's not easy, but it is the way forward. So thank you guys so much for being here. I love you so much. And there are, I was going to say two ways, but I think three ways. Let me go over real quick the ways to do this work if you are ready to jump in. One, my program, Powerfully Single, for those single people ready to heal their attachment wounding, step into their power, and feel more connected to themselves in the day-to-day. We're going to look at your habits. We're going to look at your addictive behaviors, and this is a live program. We have three more weeks, and you have the replays to catch up on the first two weeks, and then it will be sold as a self-led course. So, right now it's at 555 for um, five modules journal prompts, homework, affirmations, meditations, stepping into your power meditation video, grounding videos, co regulation videos, so many bonus videos. And then after that, the price is going up to 888. So, definitely jo- uh, jump in now while it is at a lower price. And then also, my co leader Anna and I are starting to enroll for Realman Heal. We have been meaning to start this third round for quite some time. And then life kinda just happened where, you know, it just wasn't the time. So we can't force these things, but we are getting closer and closer to um, starting and enrolling. So Real Men Heal is a three month men's group coaching program for men who want to rewire their nervous system and relate from their adult self and do inner child healing and all of that good stuff. And then also um, you can, I don't have it currently open right now, but if you are interested in my come home to yourself group, which is a four month group for anxiously attached women, um, you can DM me to hop on the waitlist for that. So that when it is open for enrollment, you will be the first to know. And then also you can DM me if you are looking for one-on-one coaching, which is weekly zoom sessions with Monday through Friday boxer support. I also have different tiers. If you're looking for bi-weekly or weekly, I don't know what that was. Something interesting. Um, so yeah, DM me, we can figure out the best route for you. There are many beautiful ways to jump into this work. It is life-changing and it is my life's mission to help you feel safe in your body so that you can create a life beyond your wildest dreams. I love you all so much. Take time to come home to yourself and I will see you next week.